Welcome to the Sonda Podcast. Tune in to hear the most insightful, inspiring and entertaining conversations with expert legal professionals from around the world. We'll discuss the ever-evolving legal sector and explore the latest market trends and updates to help you get ahead in your legal career. Welcome to the latest episode of the Sonda Podcast with your host, Rebecca Adlington. On today's show, I'm joined by Elizabeth Ruocco, an ex-big law attorney and now senior consultant within our New York team at Sonda. Elizabeth has enjoyed a very exciting and successful career path, working as a lawyer in New York where she specialised in litigation before pivoting to restructuring and eventually joining Wild Gotchell, one of the leading restructuring teams in the world. Here she had the opportunity to work on the largest, most complex and important restructuring matters. Led by her first-hand experience, Elizabeth has started a new career in legal recruitment. Here, Elizabeth has focused on helping associates to step up in their career and make a lateral move across New York and other key markets in the US, just as she did. So without further ado, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. So I'm in Texas this week. Um, So I thought it was quite fitting to get you on and you'll all learn why shortly. So let's get stuck Mm. in to kind of start it off. Can you just talk us through your background, where you grew up, life before New York and how you got into the legal field? Sure. Happy to do so. You know, I I grew up in Cheshire, Connecticut, which is um, a fairly small town in central Connecticut I would say a pretty mainstream middle-class upbringing. I was on the high school tennis team, cross country. I studied hard in school. I was fairly involved, I think, in the community. had parents who were involved in PTA and all my sports teams and whatnot. So it, it was kind of a typical upbringing. And then you know, made my way through high school there, uh, attended university in Connecticut. And, you know, I did end up in law. I think throughout college, I was somewhat struggling to find, you know, what I wanted my major to be an area of mm-hmm. concentration. And I think when I, as I was thinking further through that, it ultimately led me to kind of be on somewhat of a pre-law track, so to speak. Uh, there were many things I liked growing up. I loved advocacy. I loved writing. And I think a lot of subject matter was always interesting to me. So I felt like law was something that would allow me to really pair my interest and marry several things together and like hone in on advocacy and persuasive writing while also learning about additional subject matter. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's ultimately what got me there. And that was the thought process behind it, at least. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that kind of vision eventually took you to New York. What was that process? When did you when did you move to New York? So I think what laid the groundwork for me ultimately landing in New York was my summer internship there. I had a summer internship at a firm as a rising 3L. And that is where I received an offer and where I started right after graduating law school. So my journey of getting to New York really started uh, during the search for that summer internship. I treated that as though it were my full-time job search because my plan was to land in New York through a summer internship. You know, there wasn't a large presence from my law school in New York. I went to Wake Forest in North Carolina. There was not a large alumni network. 
um, career services was not particularly familiar with the New York legal market. And, you know, it became difficult, I think, to to start that search for me. I, I really was struggling during that time. So would you say you didn't have kind of the traditional path into um, law as most people would have? You? I think that's fair. You know, I didn't have OCI. Um, schools from New York really didn't come to Wake Forest to conduct OCI. Uh, and where they did, they were maybe interviewing one or two kind of second year law students. And then and I was not one of them, so no, yeah. it wasn't traditional. So I remember I just, you know, was thinking, okay, well, I need to find a summer internship. And I just buried my head in the library and I searched for a ton of firms in New York that mm-hmm. I thought might be willing to take a look at me. And I got my CV together and my transcript at that time. And I in, emailed about four to five people at each of the firms I identified. I think probably two partners, two associates. And I sent them each kind of a cover letter email and attached my CV. And I made the email different for each one of them so that because I knew if they spoke to each other, they're going to say, she's just copy and pasting. So I really (laughs) was trying to be more curated, I think. And I did that. I think I picked maybe like five to seven firms a day. So I was emailing 35 people a day in New York. Oh my gosh. I had no idea what I was doing. You know, I was yeah. just trying to get something. And I ultimately um, got a response from, from the firm that I ended up at. I flew up there for an interview. This was February of 2015. And I started my summer internship there that May. So what did that response look like? What did they say? It was pretty basic. I mean, it was like, we want to bring you in for an interview. It didn't seem, they didn't seem super excited, um, but it was really like the only proactive response I got. So it was hard, I think, being a student. I didn't, you know, have a sense of how to interact with a partner at a law firm emailing me for an interview. So I think they must have appreciated the reach out. They must have really kind of found value in that and appreciated it. So it's a good good top tip for young lawyers started out they're in a similar position yeah I think you just have to like take ownership over your situation um yeah you know it would have been easy to say oh career services didn't you know get me a job or I didn't get something through OCI but at the end of the day like it's your career and you have to be you know very you're accountable um mm-hmm. and I think you know taking that initiative is what made the difference there. So how was that internship in New York? Honestly, it was great. I, I lived there that summer. So I actually ironically secured my housing before I had a job. So I was like, I don't know, five or six grand in the red, which was I think all of my money at that time. I had yeah, that was scary. all of my savings from like yeah, it was like I really need to find a job now because I just <laughs> paid all this money for housing and there was a chance I would lose it if I didn't um, you know you know, I had to kind of secure that housing spot. So I think that summer was great. I, it was not a wine and dine uh, summer associate position. I mean, I worked hours of their full-time associates. I was there till 10, 11, midnight, a lot of nights, um, but I got to enjoy my weekends, <laughs> which yeah. in fact, as you don't always get. And yeah, I just loved being in New York that summer. It was just it was like felt like home. It honestly just felt like being at home for me. Out of interest, what were they in them internships paying? Like, were you able to have a bit of a kind of nice 
um salary to kind of support your life in New York or was it I mean I I remember my first internship I think I got about 250 pounds a week in London which was not a lot to survive off I think it was tight so so now what all firms I think for the most part do is they effectively prorate a first year salary yeah so you're you're making that as a summer associate over the course of you know the three months you're there but that was not the case for me I mean this was 2015 I think um I was probably getting a prorated salary on half of what a first year got and I yeah that was not on the cravat scale so it certainly was tight but it's funny like sometimes you don't really think about that when you're younger you're just I was just so happy to be there um yeah and you know that's part of it isn't it it's part of the growth yeah I think just like walking the high line and and doing all of those things I just was something I I just remember being so happy and content to do anything in New York so you just make it work so what was the next step after that then after your internship so I continued working there uh when I returned back to law school and then I did receive an offer to join them full-time which I uh, accepted and I started there right after I took the bar shortly thereafter in 2016 Mm -hmm. and it was you know pretty much what I expected I had spent a summer there I I was familiar with the people I think it was a very good fit for me and a great place for me to start I was in it was commercial litigation I think more yeah broad-based commercial litigation and I think ultimately got to a point where I, you know, was thinking, okay, is this something I really do want to continue doing? I was getting to about my second year of practice and I started kind of having interest in doing more of the transactional side of, of law. I really enjoy the commercial nature of being a lawyer. And I started thinking about what that might look like. I had a few um, opportunities to dabble in some restructuring litigation while I was in this role. So I started pursuing that and, you know, it ultimately landed me at Cadwallader, as you know, but we we can get further into it, I suppose. But I think that was really my coming of age when I realized what I really did want to do, what direction I wanted to take my practice in and really honing in on what I needed to do to get there. What were those steps that you took to get there? You know, I think I worked backwards and effectively said, okay, so if I if I want to pivot into a restructuring role, what are restructuring lawyers do? What does their day-to-day look like? And what are really the necessary skill sets to be a, a good restructuring lawyer? And particularly like realizing I would have been a retool, I had to be able to sell myself to firms if I got in the door. Mm-hmm. So I really started looking at what I was doing that lent itself to restructuring. You know, at the time I was doing a lot of bankruptcy litigation and financial service litigation, which meant I was dealing with you know, credit agreements and things of that nature. So I made it a priority while I was in my current role to get my hands on more and more of that work. So when I did get in the door for interviews in restructuring groups, I was able to really take on technical questions and kind of proactively sell myself. Yeah. So I guess that that would be your advice you'd give, would it, to kind of try and get that work on your radar a little bit so you can go into interview with kind of some some knowledge there? Absolutely. I think identifying what, you know, what skills are important for the practice you're looking to retool in and ensuring you're getting some exposure to those in your in current your- role. Mm-hmm. 
So what did you enjoy most about restructuring? I liked I liked the breadth of the practice and I found it to be a very commercial type of practice, particularly when I was able to do debtor work. Um, you know, as a restructuring attorney on the debtor side, you're almost effectively running the company. You kind of step into the shoes of management or you work alongside with them to prepare the company for bankruptcy and, and get it out of bankruptcy. So you're really taking inventory of a company's operations and you know why it's in a in a restructuring situation. It could be an operational fix. It could be something with the capital structure. Um, so it's kind of like a mini crash course on all of these companies. And perhaps it's retail, perhaps it's film, uh, perhaps it's an industrial company, but you get to really own that company and get familiar with with all of its operations. So I think that was just so unique to restructuring. And I got to work with management. Um, and yeah, I mean, especially as a junior attorney, you think you don't really sometimes get that interaction, that client interaction. But when you're on the debtor side, mm-hmm. I think, you know, partners have no choice but to give you those opportunities because there's just too much work to yeah. be done. So yeah, it was it was a great practice. I, you know, I still love it in many ways. Amazing. So you eventually ended up at while, right? So how uh, what did that process look like? So you made a lateral move. Um, can you just talk me through that step by step? Yeah, so that came about during COVID. Um, was at Cadwallader and I was really happy there. I didn't ever foresee myself leaving. Um, you know, we all went remote kind of overnight, which which yeah. was certainly a, a drastic change. But, you know, I had a strong team there. I think that ultimately what it was is just that there was just a large opportunity set given macro conditions at that time. And when I had the chance to to get in front of Weil, it was just something that it was hard to say no to. I think, you know, as attorneys, you have to recognize that there are a few moments in your career where you really have opportunities like that. For me, I was about at my third year, year mark, which I think is a great time for attorneys to make a move. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the economic conditions were in my favor. So when you have those ingredients, so to speak, it just felt like I would have been doing myself a disservice by not exploring what that opportunity might look like. And I I loved the people I met with during my interview process. I felt like it was a very down to earth kind of fun group of people to work with. And it was just, it didn't make sense to, to say no. Yeah. So was that process quite streamlined at the time? Was it quite quick because of the current market? It was quick because of the current market. It was also quick because, you know, I worked with one recruiter and um, I think doing that was very important for my search because I had a few processes going on at the same time while, Mm -hmm. while while was in motion. So, you know, being decisive about what I wanted and working exclusively with one person definitely helped with both moves, quite frankly, when I went to Cadwallader and while I was always decisive about what I wanted and, and I was not kind of mindlessly spraying my CV. It was a very streamlined uh, controlled process. Um, were there any kind of big challenges that you encountered or was it all quite seamless? So for my move to Cadwallader, the retool was definitely a challenge. I think, you know, having people doubt your ability, so to speak, to make that pivot. Um, I will say I probably 
prepped for my Cadwallader interview for like 10 hours. I mean, I, it was crazy. <laughs> I went through and read like, I knew what cases they were working on. I read their court filings. I was reading public, uh, publicly available articles on what they were doing. So I felt like, look, this is my chance. And this is probably my only chance to get into restructuring. And if I'm going to get in the door, like I need to sell myself, right? Like that getting the interviews great, but it's, that's not the golden ticket. I need to kind of work my magic once I get there. So really that was the challenge there, just getting people to like buy into me. Um, with while my conflicts checked a really long time. So I think that that was what maybe was, was the challenge there. <laughs> um, um, so do you have any tips for those kind of considering making a lateral move in the current market, seeing spe specifically how it's kind of a different market now as it was when you made your move? It's certainly different. I think kind of a few big picture things I would keep in mind if, if I were an associate looking now is... I would certainly be open-minded. I think a lot of times the places you end up aren't always, you know, they might not be at the forefront of your mind when you start your search. So there's no harm in submitting a CV. There's certainly no harm in taking an interview. Um, at the very least, you'll get to know other firms and their practices. So be open-minded. I think exclusivity is important, kind of working with, with one person um, so you can keep the process controlled is very important. And interview prep, you know, I think really understanding kind of how you can sell yourself in interviews and also demonstrating that you've done research on the firm and the attorneys you're interviewing with, you know, that's all very important. So I guess then your next big move, which is hopefully your last one, seeing as you're so amazing in your new role as a recruiter. So what eventually inspired you to make that kind of huge jump, career change into recruitment? Definitely my last move, Becca. Um, <laughs> so happy to be here. I think, you know, so when I made this move over to Sonder, I was kind of right about my sixth year in, into practice. And that was a little a moment for me to step back and reflect and decide really what I did want to do. And I thought about what I really liked about being an attorney and I loved the mentorship opportunities I had and I liked client counseling. So, you know, I felt that the things that I loved were I would be able to do more of them in this seat. You know, I can be a very, you know, take on a strong mentorship role when I was an attorney. And now I get to do that more. I think just counseling and consulting candidates through the search process. So it was really just being able to do more of what I like within an industry that I feel like I know, you know, very well. So it came down to that. And then, you know, for Sondra specifically, definitely the team is what drew me here. Um, I think you know, a lot of former lawyers with similar backgrounds like myself and, you know, just the energy behind Sonder. I think it, it was really what drew me here. Very good training. I felt that I really wouldn't have been able to get elsewhere. So yeah, I think it was a combination of what drew me to recruiting in the first instance and then Sonder specifically. Oh, that's so lovely to hear. We <laughs> are, we are a really tight knit group and we do really help one another. I think um, recruitment is traditionally a bit of a one-man game isn't it but it seems a bit different here so I'm so glad that you see that and you enjoy that and now that you how long have you been here now with Sonder? I think 
two months, but it it feels like longer. It feels but in so a good much way. longer. <laughs> I know. Oh, I feel like I've known you for a while now. Um, <laughs> so I know that you love living in New York, and you gave me some great tips when I was in town a few weeks ago. So thank you so much. Honestly, if you need any tips, if you're a tourist in New York, Elizabeth is your girl. She not only tells you where to go, she sends you Google map locations of exactly where to go, exactly where to eat, how to get there. Oh, it was amazing. I've never experienced New York like it. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Um, I didn't, didn't want you walking in Central Park getting lost, Becca. <laughs> oh, I did a little bit. Don't worry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I know we spoke about your future plans a little bit when I was in town um but can you just for the listeners talk through kind of your future plans because I know a location move is on the cards for you yeah that's right so you know I think prior to when I when I came over to Sandra had been thinking about um a relocation out of the tri-state um my husband and I it's driven by, I think, a culmination of a few things, but he's taking on some exciting business ventures and um, kind of going to be launching those out of the Southeast. So be lo- relocating back there, which is, um, you know, it, it's exciting. And I think I never really thought I would leave New York. I feel very at home here. I think my energy matches New York and and vice versa. But sometimes, you know, life happens and I think you have to kind of seize seize opportunities. So Atlanta is is the next move and will be happening fairly shortly, probably within a year. Um, so, you know, that is kind of what what's next for us. Certainly a, a legal market I've been exploring and speaking to candidates there as well, you know, as well as a few others. But yeah, that that's a sneak peek into my personal life so (laughs) please tell me your little dog's going with you Rosie is going with me I mean I feel like everything we do now is is about Rosie like we look at where we might want to live and house apartment townhouse and my husband really only cares about whether there is a big enough backyard for her to run around in so (laughs) yes we are making a you know potential home purchase based on the needs of our 20 pound Bernadoodle, but that's okay. Do you, know, do you know what I've never looked into how to take a dog on a plane? Is it quite easy? Do they need a little passport or? Um, this is Jason's current project. So we're <laughs> working on a service dog designation. Right. And because she can also is small enough, she will can go on the plane with us. Um, you know, in that flight to Atlanta specifically, like she can definitely be on a two hour flight. Yeah. So um, I'm so excited to have her on the plane. <laughs> oh, you're going to get so much attention on the plane. Everyone's going to be like, oh. <laughs> I know. Everyone's going to just like have met so many friends through walking her in New York because everyone stops us t- to pet her. <laughs> okay. So outside of living and bringing Rosie to Atlanta, the shape of the legal market in Atlanta, what's it looking like? Is there anything trending there or what are you excited to kind of work on? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting. I think a lot of legal jobs and the legal market is driven by, you know, the needs of businesses that are there. Uh, and if you look at Atlanta, I think people honestly don't necessarily appreciate all of the the kind of corporate activity that is there. So that certainly brings very strong opportunities for lawyers looking there. Um, I think IP is particularly hot there both kind of soft IP, trademark, copyright, and patent. 
Um, mm-hmm. And just general corporate work is is booming there. Um, you know, you really have lifelong companies there like Coca-Cola, Home Depot, I think Chick-fil-A, Porsche. Um, so that that feeds great legal work. Uh, and you've also had more of the tech companies open up shop down there. You know, Microsoft is down there, Google. So there's really a quite the mix. And, you know, firms down there who have other locations in New York, there's really an emphasis on Atlanta candidates. So it's a great, it's a great market. Um, there's just honestly so much. And also great, you know, some people always may ultimately if you know, in houses on people's radar down the road. Um, I think it's really important to be at firms that service those types of companies because that's where your opportunities are going to come from. Sounds exciting. Yeah, I, I can't is. wait to learn a little bit more about Atlanta. I know it's been a market that's on our radar for a while and we've spoke to various candidates there. But um, yeah, I'm excited to get stuck in with you. Um, and I know in recent months, you've started to really focus your efforts on helping lawyers to relocate to various markets across the US as we kind of expand our footprint at Sonda. Um, we'll open up our California office soon. I've obviously been um, in Texas this week looking at offices mm-hmm. for Sonda here. Um, so can you just touch on other markets you've been working in as well? I think Probably, you know, Miami and and Texas are the two. Miami has certainly, you know, just had a a wave of kind of people move down there during COVID. But by people, we also mean businesses and businesses Mm -hmm. mean work and work for lawyers. So, you know, Miami will always be hot in kind of trust in estates. It will always have a gateway to Latam. But, you know, you've seen restructuring certainly be built out in Miami. I think when you see places like Citadel going down there and Millennium opening up shop, that definitely gives rise to firms expanding or, you know, growing restructuring practices down there. Um, so it's certainly not just kind of just Latam focused. Um, also, you know, fintech type work is certainly mm-hmm. becoming bigger down there. And, you know, Texas, a little similar. I think historically everyone's thought of it as like this just oil and gas type of market. And, you know, there's, of of course, that type of work, but restructuring continues to be big tech Um, M&A. You saw like Tesla move to Texas. So really work follows companies. Um, And you've seen companies go and build out operations in places like Miami and Texas and Atlanta and, you know, just follow the work. I've heard a lot about kind of healthcare as well here. It seems to be be pretty resilient um, kind of life sciences and stuff like that as well in Texas. So it's exciting to see where that's going to go. Yeah, so I've been in Houston. I'm going to drive down to Austin on the weekend, which I'm so excited to see that. I was in downtown Houston yesterday and kind of saw some of our clients' offices and just kind of scoped out the general vibe here, living conditions. And do you know what? I've absolutely loved it. Kevin, our director, actually asked me this morning, he said, oh, where would you rather live, New York or Texas? And I immediately just said out of no- nowhere, I just said Texas straight away. I didn't even think about it. But that's quite shocking, really, to me, being a bit of a city girl. I love love living in London. But I think I would pick Texas over New York if someone was to ask me now. I mean, the people, the pace of life. Um, I've really been really pleasantly surprised here. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, 
you know, you New York will always be uniquely New York and nothing yeah. will be able to match it. Um, just the, the energy alone. But there is certainly, especially for lawyers, you know, there's sophisticated work in other markets. You can get your hands on that. And I think you'll always have, you know, a gateway to New York. Um, if you're doing that, that type of work, um, you'll be interacting with New York lawyers somewhere along the way. So, you know, it, it, it makes sense. I, I certainly understand kind of need and desire for relocation and and there's plenty of opportunities and Um, for those lawyers looking to make a location move um how do you work with them as a recruiter yeah that's a great question i think it's certainly a little bit of a different process in the sense that you know well for starters i would consider like the practice area and sometimes you need to make sure that your your practice area is there's a need for it in in the market you're looking to relocate into. And if not, you're looking at somewhat of a retool, in which case uh, we need to be a little bit more proactive about our search and really understand how your skill sets can be be transferred into a new role. So it's really starting earlier is very important and making sure you're getting your hands on relevant work uh, that will translate well into, into the market you're looking to to move into. Certainly timing is important when we talk about relocation, understanding what's driving the need for relocation, ideal timing to actually make a move. You know, one thing I think is nice in the post-COVID era is that, you know, to the extent a firm needs you to start a little bit earlier than you can physically be there, you know, we'd explore, for example, the option of starting remote maybe for the first few weeks or month mm-hmm. if you need to do that and and then make your way down there so it's really about being proactive starting early and building in flexibility where we can okay so in terms of kind of process times um how how long um is kind of application to joining the firm at the moment. I think if you're not looking at a relocation, so we could st- we could start there. I think by the time you're getting your CV out to market and submitting to firms and starting at those firms, I think you're looking at at least two months. Mm-hmm. Um, I think interview process is taking longer. Firms are much more cautious about who they are extending offers to, um, and it's just a little bit of a higher bar. So starting early is important. Um, For a relocation, theoretically, you could be looking at two months on the, you know, short end of it, but you're probably not going to be down there in two months. So, you know, relocation, I'd start looking at least four months out. Yeah, there's a few more elements, isn't isn't there, kind of where you're going to live. I guess if you know the area well, it's a bit easier if you've never been before you've got to scout out a few things haven't you you scouted out I think trying to get down there boots on the ground set up kind of coffee dates or whatnot that's all important um really like laying the groundwork for your your move is is important and it takes Um, time so what is one piece of advice you'd give to someone who is just starting out in the legal field and um, they're looking to kind of take that next step. As a junior attorney or as one just just starting out, you really have to just, quite frankly, for better or worse, I'm sorry to say, but you have to get your hands in as much work as you possibly can. Um, And yeah, that's going to mean, I'm 
sorry to say, but long nights and, and weekends and whatnot. But I think it's critical to have a very strong start to your career as an attorney. Mm -hmm. By the time you get to year three, you should really be comfortable handling certain tasks on your own, potentially managing a work stream. And if you don't get that strong foundation, it becomes much more difficult to advance, to make moves, um, and to have a kind of trajectory for promotion. So the years one to three is very important. Put mm -hmm. your head down, work. Also, be a good team player because as you go on in your career, like your network is your colleagues. Mm -hmm. um, so when you're a first year sitting across the table from another first year, if you have information that would be helpful to them on their assignment, or if they want you to look at an email before they send it to a senior associate, do it. Because when you're a fifth year, you might be, you know, needing something from them. So it's a very small world. Treat your colleagues, you know, as if they're your your close friends. Um, be a good team player. Nice. Totally agree. I think people can learn a lot from kind of your career journey. That was really interesting to hear how you've kind of made your way up the ranks. And I guess a lot of it is sheer motivation and determination and um, being responsible for your own career. What, what are you going to miss about New York when you go to Atlanta? I think the pace, you know, I think the pace of New York and the people I've met here keeps me really sharp. It's mm. it's hard to relax here in many ways. Um, <laughs> But in a way, that's almost, I think that's made me a much more kind of confident person. Um, I have really sharp people around me all the time, and it's always keeping me on my toes. And I'm going to miss it. I just don't think you find it elsewhere. So I'll have to visit, like, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you must have a favorite restaurant as well that you're going to miss in New York. Oh my gosh, it's really hard, but I got to pick one, and I have so many, but... <laughs> Now that you ask me, I'm not going to be able to think of a restaurant. Of course, um, I'll go. If I could, what are my favorites? Um, I mean, I'm gonna say Manetta Tavern, where I ate my steak dinner and the left the rest of my husband's for one birthday. He couldn't believe how much I ate at Manetta. It was like, I think I was like busting out of my outfit. <laughs> it was like I was just like really enjoying myself there. What's the What's it. the food in Atlanta? What's the What's there? <sighs> You know, it definitely has a little bit of everything. I think it's surprisingly like more multicultural than people think with mm. a lot of people moving down there. But I don't think Italian is the same. I'll just put it that way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but certainly sushi, Indian, Middle Eastern, yeah. uh, Mexican. Elizabeth, thank you so much for sharing your story. To leave on a note, where's the best place that for people to get in touch with you if they do want one-to-one -one advice on a relocation or just a move within New York? You know, I'm always available at email, first.lastname at sonderconsultants.com um, or my LinkedIn. I'm very responsive. Um, it's one thing I learned from being a lawyer. So you can count on me to get back to you. And if you want to see Elizabeth Dog, head to her LinkedIn profile and she'll keep yes. you updated. <laughs> yes, Rosie, Elizabeth, love I, like. can't, <laughs> I can't wait to see your move to Atlanta plan out and thank you so much and it you really are a joy to work with at Sonda so thank you thank you Becca thank you for having me speak soon bye thanks for tuning into this episode be sure to follow Sonda's LinkedIn Spotify and Instagram for the latest business and market updates have a great day